Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Thank you, Miss Charity. Now, does anyone know where uh, you first find um, the harp in the Bible? Do you know? Well, that's what I would think, but it's actually found in Genesis, Genesis chapter four and verse number twenty-one, and uh, there's a, there's a individual there that uh, was skilled in making uh, instruments, but it's mentioned Genesis four and verse number twenty-one along with the organ. I don't think that's the electric organ and that type of thing, but nonetheless, uh, there it is. The first mention, the the third mention, I think, gets towards uh, gets towards David as a, and no wonder, you talk about a peaceful instrument. Very peaceful. Very well done. Thank you so much. And uh, let's, find, let's find Titus chapter number one tonight, and let's stand and read together, and it's good to be together in the Lord's house this evening, and it's just enriching, it's encouraging uh, to be together, to sing, and allow the Lord to work in our hearts. Titus chapter number one, and we're looking at verse number 10. Titus 1 and verse number 10, last uh, time we were together, we really just overviewed the whole book uh, from the the viewpoint of setting things in order, and that's what Titus was sent there to do, verse number 5, that's the key verse, and how Titus was to set things in order. Part of that was to set in order leadership, uh, to also uh, have the qualifications for leadership, but he was also to, to... hold fast. He, as, a, as an individual, he was to hold fast the Word of God. And I want you to notice in verse number 9, it says this, the part of this leadership that he was going to set in order needed to do this, holding fast the faithful Word as he had, hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Verse number 10, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which ought not, they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. How would you like to live in the island of, uh, of Crete? How would you like to live there? Uh, liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. That's how they're described. It doesn't sound very good. Verse number 13, this witness is true. Paul says, yep, and I, I, I agree. Uh, verse number 13, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be, able, um, may be sound in the faith. Did you notice that? That they may be sound in the faith. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in 
works, they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work, reprobate. Reprobate. And so we're going to break this apart tonight. What's he to set in order? Well, this is part of what he needed to set in order, some of the things that were going on there in Crete. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's be seated, and let's ask God's blessing on this time. Father, we realize that right now, as we open up your word, this is really the most important time. Giving praise to you, we must, and we must do. You are worthy of our praise. Lord, you've asked for our praise, and we delightfully give it back to you. Lord, you've, you've set your word above your name. And I pray from the smallest child here to the oldest adult, Lord, I pray that you would hush our hearts, and you would allow us to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls, to, to set us free. Lord, you've told us that the truth sets us free. So we ask for you to guide us tonight in our time of study. In Jesus' name, amen. Contrary to popular opinion, really in our American mindset, and I'm sure it bleeds over into many other mindsets, uh, church and, 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 and church life is, all, is not always a positive, happy-go-lucky, uh, happy, uh, happy thing. There are times where issues have to be dealt with within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we see here tonight, uh, Paul is telling Timoth uh, Titus, hey, listen, Titus, I want you to go to Crete. There's some things that are out of order. There's some things that are not in place that need to be set in order. And in order to do that, it's going to require some grit. It's going to require dealing with some problems, dealing with them maybe in a firm and even a sober way. Sometimes as that happens, and I imagine here in Crete, there might be some people that are kind of taken back. You know what? I think we should just let it go. It's going to be all right. Just let it work itself out. But the problem, uh, the problem with that mindset is, is, is issues within the church or sin within the church or wrong thinking within a, within a church body, uh, it's only going to get worse over time. And Titus was going to need to deal with it and to get ahead of the issues. So Paul is telling this young son in the faith, listen, Titus, you're going to have to deal with these things. As a leader there and as the leaders that you're going to be setting up in, in, in place in these different local churches, they're going to have to deal with these on these matters. And he challenged Titus in this way. He says, hold fast the faithful word. Holding fast the faithful word, one of the qualifications of a, of a bishop, of a pastor, and one of the qualifications he needed to be looking for was men who would be willing, yes, they were blameless, yes, they had an exemplary testimony, but they were going to be willing to hold fast, to stand on guard for the word of God and to, to declare it with compassion, to declare it in truth and not hold it back in any way. To be like Paul who said, I have sh not shunned to declare it to you the whole counsel of God. And so he says, listen, uh, I want you to make sure that you're holding fast the faithful word. And this is going to be the answer to dealing with the issues that are rising up there in Crete. You realize this, that truth always exposes error. Just like light chases out darkness, truth and error cannot mix together. They don't mix together. And it's one of the reasons why truth is squelched and even censored in our society today because truth always exposes error. Can I get agreement on that? Have we seen that happening in our society today and how much they want to squelch the truth that's only going to increase as we go further and further away from God and delight in lies? And so a truth, even within the church, is going to chase out or expose error. And we need most of all not your truth and my truth. There, there's only one truth, and that truth is God's truth, right? And you're holding it in your lap tonight. We need desperately the word of God. 
It's not clever programs. It's not nice buildings. It's not plenty of resources that make for an effective church. It is the upholding of the truth of God's word. It is the upholding of the truth with a faithful proclamation of the word of God and the faithful teaching of the word of God and our own desires to hold fast to the faithful word. So understand, Titus has a tall order here because some of these unruly individuals have already gotten entrenched in the island nation of, of Crete and in the churches, and they were hanging out within the churches, and they were friends within the churches. And so there were some problems that were going to have to be dealt with, but it was Titus's holding fast the faithful word and the others that he would, he would ordain into the ministry and ordain over the churches that would have to hold fast the faithful word that would deal with this matter. I want to just remind us of this as we get into this tonight. Everything's going to flow from this idea of holding fast the faithful word. That's the answer. The word of God has the answers. Do you agree with me? The word of God has the answers, right? And so we need that. And it is the answer to every, every issue that we face in our society today and that we face. It has all all that we need for life and for godliness. Every bit of it is found inside of the word of God. I heard recently, uh, I believe I was listening to a message yesterday, someone mentioned this, that within the first 12 chapters of the Bible are all the doctrines of scripture are contained, if you do a careful study. And it's just amazing. The word of God is so amazing and we need it so desperately. But it is preaching within the church context. It is preaching within the body of Christ that it is the engine that pulls the whole train of ministry. Everything goes back to what do we, um, what do we see in the word of God? How are we hearing from the word of God? This, this, is, this is hope. This is what what changes us. God's word changes lives. And so Titus was going to need to do that. He was going to need to directly apply one of the qualifications of the bishop into his ministry, and that was to hold fast the faithful word in the areas that were wanting, that were lacking. So let's notice that. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 15, the, the key verse of that first epistle to Timothy from Paul, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So we understand right there that the, 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 the foundation and the upholding of truth is the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how can the body exist without the proclamation of the word of God? How can the body exist without the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of the word of God? Not just knowing, not just knowing that this is the Bible, but knowing what's inside the Bible. Not just knowing that it is the sword, but knowing the very words of Scripture, the very, the very uh, uh, rhema, the very specific words of Scripture, knowing them, not just knowing at, at the logos, the entirety of the Bible, but knowing the specific words, the specific sword of the word on the Spirit of God, and knowing it personally. And so, friends, I just want to encourage us tonight. I want to call us back to just an understanding, to a, to a valuing of the word of God, the faithful word that he's talking about in verse number nine, that the, the preacher was to uphold and to hold fast. Let's value it. Why? Why should we value it? What does it accomplish in our lives? Well, notice here in verse number, verse number 10 that it accomplishes this, first of all, the rebuking of the rebellious. Look at verse number 10. We find here, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Titus. I mean, that's not a great, hey, welcome to Crete. Uh, here's these churches. Help set some, uh, some things in order. And by the way, Titus, there in, there, uh, there in Crete, you have many unruly, vain talkers, and deceivers. How do you like that for a, you know, for a, for a body? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is, this is a little bit of a, a tough row to hoe. And so he's going he's gonna to have to be working through this. And so here it is. We find that 
Titus was going to need a little bit later on. He was going to need to rebuke these unruly or the rebellious. Now, I find that rebellion, uh, rebellion is, is a first and foremost against God's truth, is our heart against God's truth. Now, every one of us have struggled with that. Before Jesus Christ, we're all rebellious against him. Are you with me? Yeah? And you know what? How many times as Christians have we struggled with rebellion against his word? Yeah. And it, it, is, it is an opposition to truth. So first and foremost, as we think about the unruly, we are thinking about individuals who are opposing God's truth, not a man's uh, philosophy, not a, not, a, a, not a man, but God's, God's truth. And, and sometimes that, that, is, uh, that is sometimes an opposing of a man who represents that. And so here it is, we have those that are rebellious and they're first and foremost against God's truth. Satan was the first rebel, was he not? Yea, Hath God said, but it started earlier than that, it started in heaven. I will be. I will be the most high. I will be like him. And he comes down to earth in chapter 3 of Genesis. He says, yea, hath God said. And he begins to cause doubt and to bring, um, bring a, a reason to Eve's heart to, to doubt the word of God and to go against the word of God and to resist the truth of God's word when God said, in the day you eat thereof, you're going to surely die. Absolutely, you're going to die. And she did. What are the characteristics that Paul gives of the, on the rebels there in, in Crete? Notice they were of the circumcision, especially. He's, he's talking about those that, that were Jewish by, by nationality and had, had converted to Christianity. And they're in the church and they're, they're boy, they're, they've been causing some trouble. What was the trouble that was caught on, they were causing? They were unruly. They were insubordinate. They, they did not submit themselves to the truth of God's word. They, they uh, refused to uh, submit themselves to the to the to the order that that god had even there within the body of christ and we find that this same word is used over in first timothy 1 and verse number 9 uh and knowing this that the law is not made for a righteous man but for the lawless it's translated there is a the lawless and the disobedient and so here we have it these people just don't want to be told what to do now do we not live in a society full of people that do not want to be told what to do all over our society. And the Bible tells us that we shouldn't be surprised by that, uh, that in the last days perilous times would come and men would be lovers of their own selves and they would be disobedient to parents. I don't want to be told what to do. By the way, children grow up and become adults. And disobedient children fill our prisons today. Right? I understand that. And by the way, just let me warn, uh, warn you children. Uh, learn to obey mom and dad because someday it's not going to be mom and dad that you're disobeying or breaking, I'm breaking mom and dad's law. It might be a police officer's law or, or a, a, a civil law and it has greater consequences as we go along. So how important it is to learn to obey right now and it honors God. And so here it is, we have these unruly that were resisting God and resisting God's truth. And I know that's what the, I know what, that's what the Bible says. I know that's what the Ten Commandments say, but I'll do it my way. I know that's what Pastor Titus says, but he's not here right now. I will do it my way. Well, it was going on there in Crete. They were resisting any sort of authority. I won't be told what to do. There's a big difference between someone saying, hey, I have a, I have a way to go about this that might help the, on this process, and a person that says, I will not be told what to do. There's a big difference, and it starts in the heart. They had unruly hearts. But what else? They were vain talkers. They were full of empty words. Have you ever been around somebody that just, just has a lot of hot air? And they just kind of spew it and spew it and spew it. And you're like, 
Do you ever run out of that? Do you, ever run out, you know, do you ever get an end to that? They were vain talkers. That's the idea. They, they, they loved to just talk. They loved hearing themselves talk. They were empty in their speech. They, they might have criticized. They might have debated, just been prone to that. The Bible says this, that we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. And here we had some people right within the church there at Crete that were vain talkers. It's only used here in the New Testament. These ones that uh, had worthless words. Uh, the, the idea of the word is worthless drivel. It meant nothing. It didn't help anybody. But they just kept on talking, kept on talking. What else? They were deceivers. They misled people. They pretended is the idea of the word. They pretended. Someone who leads you to believe something that is not true. And they would go about their lives this way. Galatians talks to us. I've always been struck by Paul's wording here. Uh, the personality of the authors of the penman comes out. Galatians 2 and verse number 4. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privily. Uh, to spy out our liberty that we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage. And talking about the false teachers, those that rebelled against God's truth. But notice what he says. He says, to whom we gave place uh, um, by subjection. No, not for an hour. We didn't uh, give in to them that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these whom seem to be, now get this, who seem to be somewhat. Have you ever been struck by that? who seemed to be somewhat. They saw, thought they were somebody. And, and, and they, they thought and they projected themselves as something. Whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. And basically saying, hey, they thought they were something. They were trying to, to push out. They were trying to project themselves as something. No. But here's the idea. In Crete, there was an issue with people just being misleading they were not being truthful they're not not showing their real uh, their real motives they were not being truthful in their in their manners and in their interactions and friends uh, this is what titus was up against and he was going to have to use the faithful word the hold forth a faithful word to deal with these issues that were going on within the island nation and specifically within the church by the way just let me say this you and i deceive ourselves and can deceive ourselves we can mislead other people but we deceive ourselves when we hear the word of god and don't do it did you know that james 1 when we don't when we don't apply what god has taught us whatever god has taught us today may we apply may we apply so we should expect in the last days that perilous times would come and that men men are going to be increasing in their rebellion that's that's the reality and that was going on there and and the way that, that it was going to be dealt with was not trying to get everyone together and see how we can agree, right? Let, let's see, what, what are our, common, our commonalities? Let's see, no, it was going to be taking the word of God, holding fast the faithful word of God, and dealing with it, and, and allowing the truth to expose the error. And so, rebels, their heart is towards the word of God, nah, that's not really what God God says, God doesn't really say to assemble. That, 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 that's, 
not for us. Times have changed. God really doesn't expect us to, to follow his word. He doesn't really expect us to be called out from the world. We can still kind of have one foot in the world and one, you know, one foot in, in, in the church. And, uh, and God doesn't really expect us to be modest and distinct in this world. Don't you know times have changed and so forth? By the way, you know what? I think Christians are going to have a little bit different viewpoint as we go along here. As we see men dressing like women, all of a sudden we're going to be like, you know what, that whole distinction thing actually mattered. I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is on. That whole distinction thing actually matters. And we're seeing our, our country now, but how can we be mad at them because for years we've been blending the distinction? Men have been, uh, women, women dressing like, like men, and then when it goes back the other way, we're like, Hold up, but God was the one that said in order that, that he created male and female. And he desires modesty and distinction. He wants women to look like women and men to look like men. And we see that. We don't have to say a whole lot of amens to that, but that is the reality of Scripture. There are two principles that guide what I believe for this church ought to be standards in our dress. Modesty, we ought to cover up our flesh, and we ought to be distinct. We ought, men ought to look like men, and women ought to look like women. And we ought, to, we ought to praise God for that. But we are living in a society that is, is just blending, unisex. Everything needs to be the same. Everything needs to be the same. Well, times have changed. God doesn't expect that. The principles and truths of God's word do not change. And yet, the rebels, characteristically, where do they immediately zone in on? Dress. Dress, and make that the whole issue. Hey, friends, I'm just, I, am, I am just saying, uh, if our heart is towards God and our heart is towards his truth, it, it is, we're going to want to be modest and we're going to want to be distinct. And that's, that's the, that, is, that is the word of God in these, in these matters. It doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter what I wear. All, all that matters is the heart. All that matters is the heart. Friends, the heart determines what you act like on the outside. Yes, the heart matters. But God never said anywhere in Scripture that the outside does not matter. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We have arguments about tattoos and long hair and excessive uh, piercings, and we see uh, even Christians in sensual um, poses and the way they present themselves on, online. And, and friends, I'm telling you, these matters ought not to be in the house of God. And uh, as we think about this, what is it? This is an opposing of God's truth. This is a rebellion against God's truth. Never get upset when someone says, you know what, we're just going to follow God's word and we're just going to obey it. We're not going to try to find how close to the edge we can get. Rebels do that. Rebels do that. How close to the edge can we get? How close to the world can I get and still, and still, it's a reality. We see rebellion inside of inside of the home really easily when it's a teenager, but we don't see it when it's a grown adult towards God's word. Titus is going to have to deal with people, hey, they came to church. He's going to have to deal with, hey, there's a rebellion. Well, that's, I don't like what Pastor Titus says. Let's lift up the word of God. If Pastor Titus was saying something outside of the word of God, but you know, even this matter of, of modesty and distinction, Show me where God says for us not to be modest and show me where God says not to be distinct. And so in, the, in these matters, in there could be many other, other ways, but, but the fact of the matter is 
Titus was going to need to take the word of God and he was going to need to deal with it. One of the questions that of a true-hearted person was, hey, can you share your, share why you believe or why you do what you do? Or why is the church standard or guideline? Why is it there? Could you explain that to me? Could we sit down and, and have a conversation? I really want to know. You know, that's a totally different attitude. But typically, that's not what a rebel does. A rebel just pokes fun at it. And a rebel sneers at it and says, well, I don't think that ought to be the way it is. And if they were really up with the times, we would do such and such. And so Titus is going to have to deal with the unruly, the, the rebellious, those, those characteristics that they had. They were, they were unruly, they were, uh, they were vain talkers, and they were deceitful. But what else? Uh, what was he going to need to deal specifically? How was he going to need to specifically deal with them? He was going to need to confront them. In verse number 11, notice it with me, whose mouths must be what? Wow. Have you ever been shushed by, uh, shushed by someone? That's what, that's what Titus was going to need to do. It actually, the word is the idea of muzzled. I don't think Titus was going to go around with muscles. That's not the idea. But it was to say, stop. Stop. This is not healthy to the body. This is not healthy to what we're trying to accomplish here. It's not healthy to the cause of Jesus Christ, whose mouths... Those the rebels that were speaking against the truth, and then here in this verse number 11, those that were dishonest in, their, in the way that they wanted to get gain, they were trying to bring gain to themselves. They were, they were uh, truly crooks. Uh, they were stereotypical as, as creations. He goes on to say, hey, like, listen, even their own, their own poets have said they're liars, slow bellies, and evil beasts. Does, this is bled over, by the way. Do you realize when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there are times where we have to realize, hey, something cultural needs to be set aside because it wasn't right to begin with. And it's a whole matter of sanctification. And, and there were some in the church that they hadn't, they hadn't put off some of the cultural, the cultural sins, the, the cultural stereotypes that didn't please God, this matter of lying and being a slow belly and, and being an evil beast. Now, what does all that mean? We'll get to that in a in a moment but the fact is Paul said hey this is what's going on in there you're going to have to deal with this and you're going to have to stop their mouths and he goes a little bit further he says you're going to have to sharply rebuke them you're going to have to expose it by the truth of the word of God you have to show them where they're going wrong by the truth of the word of God so he says I want you to continue to do that as long as there is this the rebellious spirit you need to continue to do that what's the cost Titus of not stopping their mouths what's the cost of not rebuking them do you see this in in the verse by them by their mouths whole houses are subverted they're they're perverted they're overturned they're ruined there are whole families that are hurt by the rebellion of these individuals and so Titus was responsible to, to go, go and deal with the, the rebel themselves. And, and, and the fact is, it was going to be the word of God holding forth a faithful word that he would be able to use to, to deal with these rebels and to say, hey, this isn't right. And you can't be speaking against God's truth in this way. This is what God's word says. We must do it. We're a part of the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. We must uphold and we must be diligent to follow the word of God. And we must be diligent just not to be a doer of the word, but a doer of the word as well. And so in order for no more families to be subverted, to be overturned, Titus was going to need to deal with this. Now, can I just give us all a word of caution? I think it would be naive to think that rebels do not still exist today. How many of you would agree with me on that? How many of you uh, would agree that rebels still exist within, within churches just like ours? 
or hang out in churches just like ours. I'm not pointing any fingers here, but this is, he was in need to deal with the, on the unruly, okay? So we, we see that here. I'm not, I'm not going off on a tangent here. We see that here. Are you all with me? So I want us to, to also allow God to sharpen our senses. Number one, Lord, I don't want to have a rebellious spirit. How many of you would say, Lord, I don't want to have a rebellious spirit? Like, your hand up with me. I don't want to have a rebellious spirit. Not at all. Not towards your truth in any way. Okay, that, 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 that ought to be everyone. That's why I asked you all to do it, because it ought to be every one of our hearts. We, we want to honor God, right? That's why we're here tonight. We want to honor God. But friends, at the same time, be careful that you don't hang out with rebels. Be careful. My pastor growing up used to have this, um, this saying that I've just remembered for years. He, he'd talk about rebel radar, rebel radar, that rebels ha- had a certain radar. They would always be able to find uh, uh, other rebels. Um, teenage rebels are always able to find the other teenage rebel, right? Uh, child rebels always, they, you know, birds of a feather flock, right? Flock together, right? Okay, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? And be careful, be very careful that you don't hang out with somebody who's always always nitpicking, always contradicting the truth, always saying, yeah, I know that's what the Bible says, but culture says, or culture has changed. Do you know what that is? That is a rebel, and you ought not hang out with them. Why? Because it's going to pervert your whole house. It's going to hurt your own soul. And friends, how important it is that we realize that in God's eyes, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. He says that in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 23. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And how important it is that we, we ourselves don't, don't flock with those that, that are rebelling against God's truth. And it's important that we remember that and that we ourselves guard our own spirit. God, I want to be submissive to your truth. I want to always be answering yes to your truth. If it's in the Bible, that, uh, I believe it, that settles it for me, that type of attitude. God's word said it. I believe it, that settles it for me. I don't care how archaic it makes me in this society. By the way, it has never been cool to be a Christian. That is a a false idea of the the pop American church. And by the way, as time goes on, it's going to become less and less. I mean, it's just, it's it's not going to continue to flow. Uh, That's a pop, kind of a pop idea. Everything's cool. We're all cool with the, the world around us. No. Christianity has always been in, in opposition to the world. It, it, do we remember that the world is at enmity with God? And how is it that his church has become so friendly with the world? And so as we just consider that, God wants us to be for his truth and towards his truth, not rebels, and Titus is going to need to deal with that. Some might be passive rebels. You never hear a thing about it. Just kind of bubbles under the surface. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of bubbles under the surface. Some are uh, compliant rebels. They do what they need to do in order to get what they want. But still in their heart, they're just waiting for that moment to to act out in rebellion. Waiting for that moment to to, uh, to, uh, take their step. Some are open rebellious. I think if I had to look back to my teenage years, I was probably more of a compliant rebel. You know, just just kind of, I knew how 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 to deal. Some are very open. 
I'm not doing that no matter what mom and dad says. That's not, you know, that's not always a smart way to go if you're going to be a rebel, right? Uh, try to be a little bit more diplomatic than that. But the fact is, rebellion is rebellion. It is opposition against God's truth and against his orders in our life. So Titus's job included, not a very glamorous job, but included rebuking the rebels. But notice, he also had the opportunity, withholding forth the word of God, to to restore the repentant. Did you notice in verse number 13, all, uh, verse number 13, look at it with me. This uh, witness is true about the Cretans. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply. Why? Why? You see that? Are you all there in verse number 13? Read that last phrase out loud with me. That they may be sound in faith. One more time. That they may be sound in faith. Now, scripture is all, uh, given to us for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Here's another example of just that. Scripture is given to help those that need to come back, to come back to God, to align their, their lives with God's truth, and to stay on track. So here we have Titus. He is to restore the repentant through the word of God. He's to seek their spiritual health. The word sound is the idea of healthy or correct. That they would be healthy in their faith. That they would be healthy, get it, in their Christianity. What's healthy in our Christianity? Being in in a right relationship with our Heavenly Father, but walking according to the truth. I am never in spiritual health when my life is contradicting this book. I never have spiritual health when my life is contradicting this book. And you say, uh, does that mean I have to be perfect? No, you have to be saying every, at every prompting of the Holy Spirit, if we're going to be healthy in our spiritual lives, every prompting of the Holy Spirit, here's a verse I want you to obey today. Yes, sir. Here's the truth that I want you to put into practice. Yes, sir. That's spiritual health. Letting our lives be guided by his word. That's spiritual health. And Titus was to help those that had a repentant heart that didn't want, oh, Pastor Titus, I didn't realize, boy, I, I see now that I've been deceitful and I've been unruly and, and, and I, I want to follow after God. Well, bless God, brother. Let me help you out. And he was to help them along in their spiritual health. This was the purpose of, of, of Titus's teaching, of Titus's ministry there, and he was to help them be sound, to be healthy in their Christian life. In the Christian's case, they were going to have some need for some surgery in their life. They were going to need to root out lying. Even in our day, there's a need for believers to speak truth in a day of increasing lies, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his, with his neighbors, for we are members one of another. They were to put away gluttony. I didn't explain what slow belly is, but it's the idea of just gluttonous. These people are just kind of sitting back, lying, and feeding themselves, stuffing themselves, and they were to put it away. They were going to need to deal with this issue within the church. And it just kind of this, this Laodicean sense, rich, increased with goods, and had need of nothing. They were going to need to put that away. They were going to need to root that out. Proverbs 23 and verse number 2, And put a knife to thy throat, if a man be given to appetite. God still expects us to honor him in that way. We don't talk a whole lot about gluttony in our, in our churches, but you know what? Uh, gluttony is mentioned a whole lot in Scripture. God wants us to be self-controlled. He wants us to be self-controlled. They were to put away evil. This word evil, uh, when describing the, the Cretans, the evil beasts, uh, it really has a sensual sense to it. It was that they were unrestrained in their in sensuality. 
They were unrestrained. They, they, they had no boundaries. They involved themselves in, in fornication and uncleanness and so on. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and verse number 3, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as saints. Not once. So they're going to need to deal with this. If they're going to be in spiritual health, they're going to need to submit themselves. And uh, Titus's job was to help these individuals come into spiritual health in that way. And so I want us to understand that sin is like a cancer. If we don't deal with it in our lives, if I'm not repenting in my life about the sin that the Holy Spirit exposes and the Word exposes in my life, sin is like a cancer. It eats us from the inside out. Leprosy you could see on the skin, right? It was visible. Cancer's not like that. A person can have cancer, but, you know, all of a sudden find out, boy, they're in the late stages and they're gone in a matter of weeks. Cancer eats us from the inside out, and so doesn't sin. It eats us from the inside out. And typically what happens is someone's a lot of sin in their life. They're refusing to submit to the Holy Spirit of God. They're rebellion, uh, rebelling against his voice. And typically what happens, they rebel and they rebel and they rebel, and then they come crashing down. It eats them. It takes away all their spiritual vitality and it destroys them from the inside out. So the goal of biblical preaching, the goal of Titus was to produce or help produce spiritual vitality, spiritual health, help them get to that point of being in order with the word of God. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul told Timothy, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, there's that rebuking, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Take the word of God and help them come to spiritual health. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Titus's job was to, to help them to seek their spiritual health, but also notice in verse number 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth, that turn from the truth. Did you notice here? This, the Jewish fables and the commandments of men would cause their hearts to turn away from God's word. So it's beginning to listen to other, other truth sources, so to speak, other sources that we, we begin to serve and we begin to follow after. He's saying, listen, Titus, steer them away from that. It's not going to help them. It always turns. It always perverts someone away from the truth. Steer them back towards the truth. Help them not to give ear to that. There are many things that you're going to hear on the radio, on YouTube, on talk shows, on Sean Hannity, or whatever the case may be. Put in any other t- uh, 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 commentator. I'm telling you, there's, there's true things that are said, do you know what? It's not the truth. It's not the truth. You know what I'm talking about? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is it. This is it. We got to get tuned into this. You know how easy it is to serve so many other things, so many other sources of information? And, and Titus was the helped steer them away from that. Jewish fables. Well, I grew up in, I, I, this is stuff I've heard from a kid. No, you need to turn away from it. It's going to hurt you. It's going to pervert your heart away from God's truth. Well, what about the commandments of men? The Pharisees said to do this. No, you've got to get back to the word of God. And to the, the word of God, you must allow to have dominance in your heart. It's what's going to free you in your life. And so he's trying to steer them away. The entrance of thy truth giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. So may we give attention to the word of God. Dale Moody said it this way. The Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. It's true. It's true how important it was to steer them away from all those other sources of information to the Word of God. This was a part of helping them restore these repentant individuals that didn't want their rebellion anymore. But you know what? The Bible goes on. The Bible goes on because there are some that the Word of God 
Yeah, some were going to respond and say, boy, Pastor Titus, I, I want to follow after God. I don't want to be a rebel. I don't want to be against his truth. I want to follow after him. And those he needed to help restore with the truth. But there were also going to be some others that the truth was just going to reveal that they were reprobate. That they, they were digging into their heels. Not that they couldn't turn back to God. I'm not saying that. But they're digging in their heels. I want my way. And the truth as well exposes them. Aren't you thankful that the truth is able to expose the tender heart, but as well uh, expose the hardened heart? And you know, a lot of times people will, uh, people will hear the truth and they, they, they'll respond and say, yes, Lord, I want that. Then there's going to be other times where people will hear the truth and they get mad inside. They get, they get caustic. They start getting uh, edgy with their relationships, even within the church. And, and because God's convicting them and they're saying no, no, no. And the truth has a way of revealing the contents of their heart. It's an amazing thing. So this word reprobate is the idea of worthless not because they don't have any value to God, but th all of their, their, what, the potential that God has given them, they're not putting into any use. They're, they're worthless. In fact, it's the only time it appears in Scripture uh, in, th in this sense, but it's the idea of, of despicable. It really disheartens and disgusts God. Not because God hates them. I don't want us to get that picture. Uh, God loves all men, but their actions and their attitude is despicable to God. That's a serious thing. That's a really serious thing. So these are the type that use God to their own end. They're very happy to use uh, religious words to their own end. And so the word of God that on Titus was going to be preaching in verse number 15 would reveal the impurity of their heart. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto the defiled uh, and unbelieving is nothing pure. I work construction uh, back in my teenage years and also through college. And you know what? I found very quickly as I got to the construction job site, I found this very quickly, that words in, that I said in their ears, that I said in purity didn't always mean what I said. You know what I'm talking about? Double, on double innuendos? And it seemed like there was, I can, I can distinctly remember one time just riding in a truck and, and thinking in the back of my mind, there is not one thing I can say that I feel like I can say without them twisting it and making it perverted. To the impure and the unbelieving, everything's impure. Do you know something? I, I want us to catch this truth. When our heart is pure towards God, we're not going to see impurity everywhere. Our, our, our sight is going to be clear. You know what I find? The people that have an unholy heart towards God, they're constantly saying, hey, I, I, see, I see sin there, and their motive wasn't right. And they, start, they just start picking. And they see every, everything's impure. Everything's impure. You know that, that caustic nature that, that develops in a heart that is resisting God and saying, I don't want to submit to your truth. And it's, it's amazing how it is those that accuse others, oftentimes they're the ones doing it. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Unto the defiled, mm, nothing's pure. They see it in everyone. It changes the way they view the world. We see that in the lost world, but that can happen in our lives, friends. 
Oh, how important it is to walk in holiness right within our hearts. It says that even their mind and their conscience is defiled. The impurity of their heart is revealed by the word of God. The word of God cuts right to the chase. Do you understand that, that the, the, the defiled man who denies the truth, he twists and perverts everything. Why? Because his mind and his conscience is twisted and perverted. And it is his heart that is deceitful. All of our hearts, the Bible says, Jeremiah 17, 9, is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Who can know it? It's so deceitful. So Titus was going to need to hold forth the faithful word. And it was the faithful word that would reveal the contents of a heart. Remember Hebrews 4 and verse number 12? The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Do you know what it says there? It pierces even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints is the uh, joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart you and i cannot discern between the thoughts and the intents of the heart i cannot as best as we want to try right we've all tried to judge motives right how many of you with me try to judge motives it typically doesn't uh, work very well all right but god's word can god's word can and friends god's word can do a whole lot better job than we can it it will reveal it will reveal the contents of the heart, the impurities of the heart. And one of the reasons we need the gathering so much is so that we allow God the opportunity to cut down into our hearts and to deal with the issues that are in our lives and even the motives that are wrong. You ever get wrong motives? It's easy, isn't it? God's work can take care of that. It was God's word that could expose that. But notice God's word goes a little bit further, not just to expose the, and reveal the, the impurity of the heart, but also to reveal the corruption of their habits. God's word gives clarity to how to look at a different scenario. In verse number 16, they profess they know God. Well, they say the right thing. They say they've been born again. They say the right things. They say they love God. But hold on. In their works, they deny him. Well, where do these works proceed from? Their heart, their impure hearts. And in their works, they, they deny them they've been abominable. The, the idea that, that it's loathsome to God, it's disgusting to God, as God looks down on this, this person who's, who's saying, yes, I love Jesus, yes, I love his church, yes, I love God, but his works, all of his works are tainted with this despicable tent because he's not true towards God. His heart is defiled. His heart is against God. In his heart, he's rebellious belling against God. I don't want your truth. I don't want to say yes. I hear what your word says. I don't want to go there. I don't want to put in the effort. He says the disobedient, again, just bringing up the rebellious. Notice here, look at verse number 16. The last phrase, and unto every good work reprobate. Say that out loud with me. And unto every good work reprobate. The idea is here, this type of person who has allowed the rebellion just to stay in their heart and is not dealt with and not allowed the word of God to deal with it, the idea is that to every good work, to every pure cause, to the cause of Christ, they have become useless. They're not helping. They're not helping it to proceed forward. And friends, the idea of reprobate here is, is worthless. The Bible is the, the one that says it. Friends, I don't want to get to a point in my life that I've so rebelled against the Holy Spirit of God and against his truth that I cannot even help the cause of God. That I've lost my usefulness in the kingdom. Doesn't say that it can't be restored. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? 
And we've all had times where we've rejected the word and rejected his truth, and we've said no to it, and we've rebelled against the Holy Spirit, we've quenched his, uh, his voice, and we've had to come back to him and say, I need your forgiveness. But friends, we've known people who have also gone a long way and, 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 and over and over rebelled and rebelled and rebelled and, and got to the point where even being around the work of God, they were just a drag on the work of God. They hurt, they hindered the work of God. Let's not go there. Titus was to, to, um, to use the word of God, not Titus. Titus wasn't to go in and say, this is what I think. He was to take the word of God, to hold forth the faithful word of God, and he was to expose the corruption of their habits and to, to make it plainly seen. So when the pastor, Pastor Titus, hold, held forth the word of God, it rebuked the rebellious, it restored the repentant, and it revealed the reprobate. You see, the priority of of a healthy church is going to be all centered around the word of God. The word of God having free course in our lives and in our services. The word of God being valued in our hearts. The word of God as we gather together tonight. Lord, I need your word. And my question to us all tonight is, do we value the word of God? It's what's going to help you not rebel against God. It's what's going to help you stay in line with God's purposes and, and be useful to his cause in the world today. It's what's going to help you uh, to live as a pleasing son or daughter of God. We need it so desperately. Do you value the word of God? Thank God for his faithful word. It's faithful, whether we're faithful or not. It's faithful all the time. I need the faithful word, and I need a place where it's held forth. I need friends and, and brothers and sisters in Christ where it's, where it's held forth, and, and they're reminding me of it. Do we value the faithful word? Do we give attention to it? Do we come prepared and ask God, hey, Lord, I need you to speak your word into my heart. I, I am hungry for it. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. They shall be filled. Do we pray for the preacher? Do we, we study the messages further like the Berean believers? They, they wanted more. They, they took, the, they took the, the notes that they wrote down and they went into the week on Monday and, and Tuesday and they, they thought, well, what else do I, I squeeze out of that message that I just heard? What, what does God's word have for me? And they studied further. Do we value the faithful word by acting on the truth? What what is one thing that God has given you today, one thing, one truth, that you ought to put into practice this week? But I encourage you to pray on that. Say, Lord, even tonight as we, we pray in just a moment, even tonight, say, Lord, by your grace, I will do it. I will do it. I'm not going to be a hearer that forgets it. I'm going to be a, a, a hearer that hears and then does. I will do it by your grace and with your help. And so let's value the word of God. Titus was to find ministers who were qualified. One of the qualifications was holding forth the word of God and holding forth a faithful word was what is going to be the key to success in, Paul, uh, in Titus dealing with all those, the unruly, but also helping the, on those that wanted to repent and to expose those who were reprobating that weren't going to help the cause of Christ at all. And so may we value the faithful word of God. May we value it in this place. And let's ask God to help us with that. Father, thank you for this opportunity to look into your word, and I pray for your people and for myself that we would value this book, not just as a book that's on the shelf, but that we value it with our whole hearts and that we'd put it into practice, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads bowed, let's stand and let's find a place to pray tonight. Let's not leave tonight without just saying, Lord, 
I do want to value your word. Maybe you pray with your children. Maybe you pray with your spouse. But the fact is, let's, let's have that heart. I don't want to be a rebel in any way. I don't want to be against your truth. Lord, help me. Help me to value your faithful word. Let's do business with the Lord before we leave tonight. Commit these things to him. Can I say this? The Lord, the Holy Spirit is the one that can take his word and can, and can say, hey, listen, you've been rebellious in this area. We're not looking for the title or to slap titles on one another. We really just want the Holy Spirit to expose in our heart through his word any, any rebellious way, any wicked way in us. Maybe you're, you're here tonight and you're struggling. Lord, am, am I a rebel? What I'd encourage you to do, what I'd encourage you to do is not, not look there. Just if, if the Lord exposes something, just simply say yes to him. Seek his forgiveness. Move on. But understand, in, in total, we give priority to the word of God. Why? Because it'll expose any time that we're, we're stepping out of line. And it's good that way. It's what it was going to do in Crete. It's what it can do at Grace Baptist Church. I praise God for his word. Before you stop praying tonight, just thank God for the faithful word. The faithful word. Boy, it's good. Sing that song as a prayer. The first verse there, I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender all. To Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. God's people said, amen. May that be our hearts, and let's just stay in tune with his truth, okay, friends? And uh, that's the best thing for us. That's spiritually healthy. Right now, I'd like to have uh, Braden come up to the front here. Braden, just right down here. And uh, we want to welcome Mr. Braden into our church family. And I'm going to let him share just a little bit, or I'll ask you some questions. Is that right? That's fine. That's fine. Um, tell us where you're from. Uh, I am from Newcastle, Indiana, originally. So. Okay. And you're here for what? I'm stationed over at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, so I'm here for at least like two to however many years they need me here. Okay. So. And what do you what do you do? Uh, I am an explosive ordnance disposal technician. Okay. So that's fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> so not, not too long ago, he, uh, he, he said, boy, we found something, and I, I'm sorry I couldn't make it to church, but I, you know, I, I, I needed to take care of that. So, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, you've, you've uh, gone through starting points with me and shared your, your testimony. Can you just give a, a, a brief testimony? Absolutely. Uh, so I first started going to church uh, with my friend Jonathan uh, in third grade, and I got saved at a VBS. Amen. Uh, I didn't necessarily live the life that I was supposed to. Uh, we eventually picked up and moved to Oklahoma, where I did not live as a Christian should. Um, though I did have a friend, Colby, who was Catholic, and he was going to get baptized, and he wanted someone to go get baptized with him, and I was like, well, I'm a Christian same thing. Uh, So I got baptized with him and we got sprinkled with the water um, and got into some trouble. Uh, Eventually though, my mom finally wanted a new change in scenery and we went back to Indiana. Uh, When I went back to Indiana, I went back to my home church Uh, and they were like, oh hey, (laughs) are you baptized? I was like, absolutely I am. You betcha. (laughs) Uh, And that wasn't the case and it wasn't about two years, it wasn't until about two years after I had realized that I had never been actually baptized. Um, So as of last Sunday, I got baptized, uh, which was kind of a nice thing for me to do because while it is a profession of one's faith, it's also one of the first steps in obedience uh, to the Lord. So I thought that it was important to go back and recorrect my steps. that's really about it. Uh, I, once I got back to Indiana, I gave my heart to the Lord. Uh, I gave it to service. Uh, I love to serve. I don't care if it's my God, my country, my church, or my community. I, I live to serve. Um, so that's, that's really all there is to know about me. <laughs> Amen. And so we went through uh, the starting points together, and he came in, uh, and he says, well, I can't join the church. He was looking at our, our membership uh, statement, and he says, I've never been baptized. I said, well, you came from a Baptist church. And he said, well, they, uh, they didn't ask. And, and so I said, well, you know what? There's just another reason why we do starting points. And so uh, he wanted to go have his youth pastor uh, from growing up baptize him. So he got that taken care of last week in Indiana. And uh, so he's coming uh, to join our church here for as long as the Lord has him here. And so I'd like to just have a motion uh, to receive him into Brother Isaac, a second. Brother Mike, all in favor, say aye opposed by the same sign and welcome into our our church family we're glad you're here and we know that you'll um, bring blessing here and uh, we want to be a blessing to you thank you brother Caleb if you wouldn't mind taking him out to right about the coffee area where all good things happen around coffee and uh, we just divided the church (laughs) and uh, let's give him the right hand of fellowship tonight and uh, praise the Lord the blessing all right, church family, what's Saturday? Well, you're right, soul winning. Uh, th- this Saturday, that's going to be a little bit difficult with the bended knee. We're coming right out of that into lunch and so forth. But the bended knee, 9 o'clock, so if you haven't signed up yet, find the, uh, the table out there and please sign up. Let's be a part of that. Come, God's going to bless that in your heart. And, uh, and so that's the big next thing. If you want to help out with the flooring and stripping this floor this week, please see Brother Frank. If you want to help out with the flooring next week, please also see Brother, uh, Brother Frank. But we just uh, looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. Yes, sir. They're going to do 
one o'clock on Tuesday for stripping the floor down here. And that's not breaking up tile, that is stripping the wax off. So it's, 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 not, it's not as back-breaking as it sounds. So anything else? All right, God bless you. Have a wonderful week.